Hey, welcome to Gig Stories with Music People. I'm your host, Evan Michael, at Spacement Recording Studio in Los Angeles, California. This is episode 19, and my guest today is Andy Senesi, an incredible drummer based in Los Angeles, originally from New York. Andy's played with everybody. He currently tours with the legend Frankie Valli and with Missing Persons. His own band, Blanco Diablo, plays at various LA venues like The Mint, Baked Potato, and others. There's a very long list of artists he's worked with, including Sebastian Bach, Vertical Horizon, Eminem, many others. It was awesome getting to chat with him about music and his plethora of experiences. He's a wealth of knowledge, and you can tell he just really cares and takes music very seriously while still having fun with it. Follow Andy at Andy Sinesi on Instagram. I'm at Evan on the Bass. The studio is at the underscore spacement. Podcast is at Gig Stories with Music People. Thank you for your ears. Let's get to it. Enjoy. Heard a great story about Will Lee. Great bass story. Oh, I, I feel like we're jumping in oh, already. Yeah. Are, are, are we, I thought we were going. I, we are. I, <laughs> okay. I didn't know if you knew we oh, were. Yeah, I, I, I just, I just assume <laughs> we were going. I, just, I always assume that no matter where I am, like if I'm outside, I assume that there's a video camera on right. me, not because of narcissism, <laughs> although I am a narcissist, but because of... Um, because there's just you look up and it's like oh security system here there and then there's the city surveillance and street lights so I just assume I'm being videotaped and audio taped at all times. Maybe it's a little bit paranoid, but no, I think in this day and age it's a good way to be. I feel like anytime I'm like on the internet, like I feel like oh well anybody at some point could probably see what I'm doing or 100%, 100%. look through the camera at me or <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's that Snowden paranoia, man. You know, yeah. like. Um, I remember my girl at some point put uh, put tape over the the cameras on all the computers in the I house. I do that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, rightly so. I mean, we we have a little girl who we both, you know, we don't agree on much, but we agree that she's the bright center of the universe. Now we're sure. we're solid. We're a good uh, we're a good little unit. But um, I was going to tell you the story about Will Lee. Oh and, yeah, and, and diplomatically navigating the uh, the egos of producers. Not that all of them have egos, but let's face it. Some of them do. Sure. So this this producer, this is probably I don't know if this story is true. I know Will, and I didn't get to ask. I've played a couple of gigs with him. Nice. Um, but I never I I didn't have the guts to ask him. You know, I should have yeah. because he would have been like, "That's hysterical," even if it's not true. But right. if it's folklore, or if it's not, it's still a great story. So the producer, they're cutting some tracks somewhere, some studio, and they they get done, and the producer says, "Yeah, man, that was great." Um, but Will. Uh, I want your bass to sound like my rocking chair. So instead of Will just like being like, bro, I'm fucking Will Lee. I've played on endless <laughs> sessions. I've been on the radio. Like you spin the dial and I'm on something. I've been on Letterman. I sing my ass off. I'm the be all that you can be guy for them with the army ads. Yeah, I don't know if you knew, but that's Will. Oh, I didn't know that yeah, one. Yeah, he's the lead vocal on Be All That You Can Be. All right. So anyway, instead of him going on some ego trip, he because he's a bad motherfucker, he says, is your uh, rocking chair made out of oak or maple? <laughs> and the guy says, oak, or maybe he said maple. Who knows if this is even true, but it's a fun story. <laughs> so he says, oak, and Will says, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> and then they did another take, and he played 
exactly the same way. Yeah. And the, the producer was happy they got the take. There's also stories of the old, uh, you know, uh, Tommy Tedesco, the the legendary session guitar player. There's a baffle, you know, about up to his nose, and he's got his faithful axe that he's played on a million things. Yeah, Tommy, that's great. Can we try the twelve string on this one? And Tommy will duck down behind the the, the baffle, pop back up, and let's do it again. Play the same guitar. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Hey, Tommy, can we try the nylon on this one? Same shit. He would just. <laughs> And then, you know, there's this classic footage of Tommy at, I think he's doing a clinic at MI. And, hey, Tommy, we need something that sounds kind of Spanish. He plays this, like, you know, like E minor kind of Phrygian thing. <laughs> hey, Tommy, we need something that sounds Arabian. He plays the same shit. You know? <laughs> so those guys are characters and they're such yeah. great players. And then with, yeah, I mean, it's circumstantial, but. You can do a lot with a good attitude and a little bit oh, of yeah. uh, <laughs> a little bit of moxie. You know? gamesmanship. Exactly. I uh, there's an there's another one that I heard that, and I don't I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Willie or, or one of those cats that had like a knob mm. on their bass. The producer knob. The producer knob <laughs> that literally did zero. It was not hooked up to anything, That's... and they'd be like, "Hey, can I get this?" And they'd just be like, "Oh, try it now." <laughs> I, I'm uh, again. I'm I I, pre I preface everything with like I'm wrong most of the time, but. I think that might have been Leland Sklar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that may, yeah. Love who's, Leland, yeah. Who's, who's a notorious <laughs> uh, gamesmith. <laughs> sure. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, welcome to the podcast. So good to be here, my brother. <laughs> Great to get down. It's fun to come to the east side and get to chop it up with you. Excuse my voice. Um, lost it over the weekend. Uh, I was out in, where were we this weekend? We were in Minneapolis, Des Moines, and... Chicago with uh, Frankie Valley and the boys and uh, yeah, sometimes you lose your voice. I'm I'm trying to salvage it by coming and talking for an hour with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it couldn't hurt, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, especially with your hospitality, I've got a I've got a tea in my right hand and a water in my left hand, and I'm feeling good. You yeah, know, you might have heard my New York just come out water. Sorry. Water. <laughs> <laughs> Anything I could do. Uh, well, yeah, I appreciate you still doing it, and of course, uh, yeah. Tell me about about this Frankie Valley gig, man. That's that's an awesome. Yeah, thing it's, to have. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's a great it's a great gig. I mean, I, I I really you know I'm from New York and I'm Italian, so that music is basically like infused in my DNA. Your bedtime stories <laughs> as a kid or something. Yeah, you know, it's just you know lullabies. I, if you spin the radio dial uh, in 1975, you would definitely hear December '63 or Who Loves You or Swearing to God or all those things. And then, you know, you get a little older and you go back and you check out rock history. And, of course, you're going to run into all the old hits like Sherry and Walk Like a Man and Big Girls and yeah. all that all that classic stuff. <laughs> so, excuse me. So he's doing all right. He's 87 years old. He has no signs of slowing down. Um, he... Uh, we, me and Frank get along really well. Uh, in fact, this last run, we had we had dinner together um, one night and breakfast together a couple of days. So we're you know at this point like it's pretty surreal to me. It's just like he's my he's my little my little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish uh, I wish my dad would have been uh, able to come and see me with him. But oh, uh, but you know that, it's funny I say that because my dad obviously is off the boat Italian. But uh, my dad was even into older music. My 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 old man loved. Um, my old man loved bebop and and Sinatra and a lot of classical music, uh, you know. So I grew up in a. My dad was not a musician, although he did 
play a little bit of drums as a hobbyist. That's how I got into it. He, okay. he bought a set of drums. He's like, these are mine. And he'd go to work and I'd be playing all day. And he, That's eventually, cool. he eventually figured it out that they were now mine. You know? <laughs> but yeah, he was, you know, he was, he was a real jazz enthusiast. So there was always, you know, never any shortage of amazing music in the house for me to listen to. Like nice. from when I was a good Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Miles, you know, Train, Oscar Peterson, Ella Fitzgerald, all the best stuff. So I was really fortunate to have. And then my, I had two older sisters, so they, they, uh, they influenced the rock side of things. I remember listening nice. to like Led Zeppelin Four and The Doors Thirteen on eight track. Yeah, <laughs> believe man. it, believe it or not. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was a really, um, really nice time to to be alive. Yeah. Still That's is. awesome. How did you uh, get hooked up with that gig? It was it a recommendation, or oh yeah, uh, the Frankie gig. Um, I was uh, was playing a Latin jazz gig uh, with. Um, I can't remember if it was my band or if it was something else. Um, but Richie Gahate Garcia was on the gig with me, and I. I played a gig with Richie my second day in L.A. We played at Lavalie with Oscar Cartaya, another great bass player, with his band. I met Richie then, and then we didn't play for multiple years. Reconnected about four or five years ago and started playing a bunch together again. Um, and on this particular gig, he goes, hey, bro, um, uh, would, you know, Frankie's looking to make a change in the drum chair. Uh, do, do you know Frankie Valley's music? I'm like, Frankie Valley, like, uh, Big Girls Don't Cry, Walk Like a Man, uh, <laughs> Sherry, Swearing to God, December 63. He's like, okay, got it. You know who he is. I'm like, yeah. I go, I'd love to do that gig, you know? Yeah. So he's like, cool. So he recommended me. And then the the MD, this guy, Robbie Robinson, um, he started reaching out to people to see if they had heard about me. And then he called Jerry Vivino, the saxophone player that used to be on the Conan show. Sure. And I'd played in Jerry's band uh, on and off for the last six, seven years or whatever it is. I played a lot of Big Potato and yeah, Alvas and stuff like that. So Jerry's like, yeah, Andy's great. Hire him. And then uh, he reached out to Rick Fibaracci, who's another great bass player. And Rick's like, yep. you know, Rick probably said something sarcastic and then told them to hire me because, you know, that's we're all a bunch of sarcastic, uh, you know, <laughs> funny guys, but uh, yeah, I got the I got the nod from from Rick, and then uh, my really uh, close brother um, Brian Charette, great B three player, who actually Joey D Francesco hired to play for him uh, when he's out front playing sax. I think it was the reason why Joey hired Brian. Um, great B three player, great piano player, great synth player, great. He's Brian's a freaking Swiss Army knife of a weapon. Urban knows. Uh, Brian Charette as well. Yeah. Robbie's in that Ham, Hammond organ circle. So he spoke to Brian, and Brian's like, definitely hire. So I, they got like blindsided by, you know, five or seven people saying, yeah, just hire him, you know? <laughs> so, A plethora of recommendations. They yeah. just couldn't say no. Well, you know, it, it's just, it's nice that they, I, I pay them all very well to say that. Right, nice yeah. But yeah, so after that, I went in and I played, and, and, uh, Frankie comes in and we play and Robbie goes, what do you think? And he goes, yeah, the kid can play. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> and that's probably a high compliment from a guy like that too. I mean. Yeah, you don't get a lot of, uh, you don't get that many pats on the back, but uh, right. I don't know if it's because there, there's not that many other uh, guineas in the band, but uh, <laughs> he, you know, he, he likes the fact that I'm Italian. And, oh. and that, whole, that whole goomba. Sweeten the deal a little bit. Paisano shit. Now he's he's very nice to me and very complimentary and uh, yeah, that's my that's my little dude. <laughs> that's my that's homie. awesome. Yeah, he's great. I love him. So, Are any, any I mean, any crazy moments from from touring with him or 
Well, I, I mean, there's some there's some bucket list moments for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I got to play Radio City Music Hall in New wow. York, which was awesome. My sister came up from D.C. to see me, my sister Joanne. Um, and um, playing at the O2 in London was great. Just a lot of, a lot of you know, historic venues. We're going to be going back to... Um, going to be going back to England next year, and I think we're going to be playing the, the, the Royal Albert Hall, which we were supposed to do last year, but it got postponed because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, just go in fun places like Japan and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's a great gig, and it makes the people happy because it's, it's not too... Uh, I play a lot of music that's, I like to say, I like to call it kung fu music, where it's kind of kind of more fun to play than it is to listen to, like, you know. Right. It's like more uh cerebral nerdy music i love that shit but like i understand that most people don't really want to hear that <laughs> right yeah. so yeah. it's nice to it's nice to know that everyone that's there they want to hear those songs we play those songs and and it's fun you know the, and it's a pretty large uh ensemble uh there's you know, there's frank for four other singers winter spring summer and fall <laughs> <laughs> um, two guitar players, two keyboard players, uh, drums, bass, uh, three horns. So, and everyone wow. gets along really well, which is you know, I mean, look at the uh, look at the Eagles or Pink Floyd. Like four dudes can't get along, and there's oh, not, yeah. not plenty that of examples, you know, of that. endless examples. Yeah. Not, not that I'm comparing, you know, the Frankie Valley's current band <laughs> to any of those, but. Um, no egos everyone gets along pretty good it's, that's awesome you know, yeah it's it's a very nice work environment because i'm sure I, I i have no doubt that there's plenty of projects you've worked on that that didn't have that as we all have but i know you've just played with so many <laughs> so many bands and artists yeah. uh and i don't know how much you want to talk about <laughs> that side but you know <laughs> well you know um i i have i have no real uh boundaries in in what i'm open to talk about other than like i don't want to hurt anyone that i love so yeah i'll steer clear of uh <laughs> any things i've been like in regarding that but you know i've been in situations uh, since you're a bass player i'm gonna there's gonna be a lot of bass centric stories because uh yeah you know, evan, all right evan's a fine bass player we play oh. we play with uh, uh greg erba, called, yeah. yeah greg erba and and I'm sure we're going to be doing a lot of other stuff, but yeah, man. one story comes to mind, uh, a bit of a nightmare scenario from many years ago. Um, I was doing this tour um, <laughs> with, uh, it was the name of the artist was, I'm just going to say his, his name was Mark. And, <laughs> and uh, it was me and Sean Hurley and this gentleman, and we were playing trio. And you know it was it was super shoestring. It was, and we were me and Sean were both really young. Back in the van, all the way across the country up to Canada. You know, showers consisted of oh, there's a river. Let's go jump in it. You know, ah, <laughs> been there. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know it was it was fun uh, at the time. Now maybe not so much, but I remember there was one night at one particular gig where. Um, he said something so not Sean this this artist Mark yeah <laughs> uh, let's say it's with a K instead of a C I can't even remember but whatever <laughs> so we're we're on stage in San Francisco he said something so foul and inappropriate that me and Sean just walked off the stage you know? wow so um, it's not always a perfect work environment and then sometimes it's like it gets to the point where like okay I don't want to be associated with someone that is gonna say something like that, especially on stage. If that shit happened yeah. now and everyone had their phones out, 
cancel, you know, Fantasia. <laughs> you right. Know, be done, uh, which is which is great because um, you know that never that was an isolated incident, but uh, you don't want to be associated long term, right? And have it documented, you know, even that you were on stage with anyone like that. It's true when instance. you're when you're on stage with someone, there is that. Like you're part, you know, you're part of the group. It's guilty, like, guilty by association, man. Exactly. Like if you were, yeah. uh, this goes back to the movie Clerks. Like if you were, <laughs> if you were a contractor working on the second Death Star, and you were like working on, you know, the tractor beam portion of the Death Star, and the rebels came and blew it up, and you died. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, you chose to work for the Empire, so there you <laughs> yeah, go. Guilty by association. There you go, man. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I've had a couple of those moments yeah. on stage where I'm cringe. like, yeah, cringe, and you know it's tough. I I remember having to, I was in the band, you know, for a while. That that one of these that happened and had to like, it was like one of the hardest calls I felt like I've ever had to make, where I had to call the guy, and I'm like, I you know if this happens again, like I can't be on stage. Yeah, with you saying, it was like he was like a political thing, and it yeah. was just like this has nothing to do with what we're doing. Yeah. Like, and when you say, so, you know, that was a hard call to make. Sure. Did you have to have, like, one of those heart-to-hearts, or was it just kind of like... No, I mean, basically, we walked off stage after the gig, and uh, we were we went from Boston to Seattle and everywhere in between up to Vancouver, and the last stop was going to be in L.A., I think. So uh, we walked... He finished the gig solo, and, oh, then, wow. and then he goes, so you guys done? And we're like, yeah, man, we can't really be associated with you saying shit like that. He goes, well, listen, he goes, man, I goes, I'm sorry, and, uh, you know, we'll just do the gig in L.A. If you, if you just, just do the gig in L.A., I promise I won't do anything like that, and uh, and then we'll call it a day. So, and so me and Sean were just like, all right, we're, we're here. We need to get to L.A. because that's where our planes are leaving from. <laughs> Might as well just say we came down here. We played like the Dragonfly or something, and then we left. And I remember, I remember, I think that was the first time I'd been to California. It was like 97. Okay. Maybe it was the second. I can't remember. But <clears throat> I loved it here so much. And I was always, in, it was always in the back of my mind, like, man, I like California. Plus, I was like a BMX freestyle kid. Okay. And that's like where it, this California is where all that stuff goes down. Like Huntington Beach is where GT's at. Uh, Haro's down in Carlsbad. Um, so California has always been like such a dreamy, you know, intoxicating place. And plus the topography is just so beautiful here. It's <laughs> yeah, like you got man. desert, mountains. All of it. Ocean, all, you know, all of the things that we love. And I remember being out here going like, man, I could live out here for sure. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, whatever. Um, but, uh, I wish I'd come out here earlier cause I stayed in New York for a long time and I love New York. It's always going to be my, you know, my roots and all that, but I just, this lifestyle suits me better, you know? And, uh, and I've, yeah. it's just been really great to me, uh, the move to California. So I'm happy I'm here. And, uh, that's cool. Yeah, man. I got here, uh, in 07. So I think I guess, so 10 years after the first time I came out here with Sean, he came out here earlier, um, and, and immediately just started dominating as he does. <laughs> but, uh, you know, since I've been out here, um, we did a couple of things early on in 07. I, I did a couple tours with Vertical Horizon. That was nice. That was fun, and that kind of like got my feet a little bit wet. But LA is such a weird place, man. You know, um, I run with so many different circles, and I I think 
you know, I think the last time Sean and I played is, God, it's got to be six, seven, eight years ago. It's just... It's just the way it is, you know. I've, I played with you twice in the last three months, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I hadn't met you until until then. Until then. So, so <laughs> uh, you know, it is. It's just the way it is. You could live down the hall in the same apartment complex from someone in Los Angeles and never see them, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just. It's got everything. It's got so many people and the best, the best players. I mean, the best of everything. Sure. Uh. Uh, I'm curious, like, if if you noticed a big difference, like, what the difference was, L.A. and New York. Oh, I've got endless thoughts on that. Um, but I'll try to be concise. Um, first of all, um, I may look very much like, a you know, a party, but I'm all business. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I look like a rock guy, but I'm a, a really um, dedicated jazz nerd. Um, and... Um, you get judged and pigeonholed by the way you look. I look like I should play in, you know, Van Halen or something. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I, I think that sure. drum, I think that drum uh, seat is pretty, pretty much locked down for eternity. I think so. I love Alex, by the way. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, the the main difference I, I can see is that yes, there are a lot of incredible players in Los Angeles. That's obvious. Um, but per capita. On the jazzier side of things, like in L.A., like you can say this for every instrument. So like in L.A., like how many amazing Jedi-level jazz drummers are there? There's a lot. There's probably like 40 or 50, you know? Yeah. And in New York, you could pretty much add a zero to that. Wow. On every instrument. Like in L.A., how many great tenor players are there? Well, it's like you got... Uh, you got... Um, you know, uh, Doug Webb, Bob Reynolds, uh, the other Bob, whose name I'm having a hard time remembering right now. I mean, you know, there's there's the, all the guys. There's, yeah. you know, Sal Lozano, Frank Fontaine, Catisse Buckingham, all these guys. So, and then you're, you're, you come, Dennis Mitchell, I don't want to leave out any of my friends. <laughs> Not that they're probably going to hear this. Who knows? Maybe they are. But my point is, is like, my friend is like, motherfucker, why didn't you mention me? <laughs> you <know? Right. laughs> but anyway, um, in, we'll do an addendum, right? Uh, it's like a full list of all the great. <laughs> <laughs> there'll, there'll be a, there'll be a <laughs> um, supplemental material, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, in New York, especially God, horn players like there's endless genius tenor players, endless trumpet trumpet seats a little light in L.A. I gotta say, I noticed, but you know, I mean, there's great trumpet players here, obviously, you know, multiple, but you know, New York's just got more bad ass um specifically jazz instrumentalist per yeah. capita although recently in the last 10 years there's been a, a pretty um noticeable uh migration of some pretty heavy jazz guys from new york to la like dave binney is uh, located out here another incredible saxophone player um specifically primarily an alto player but great producer he does everything great. I love Dave. Hey, Dave. Um, and uh, Tim LaFave is recently, well, not recently. <laughs> so that's, a while. The, the older you get, like recently, yeah, it's like 10 years ago that just <laughs> dates you, you know, carbon dates you. Um, but yeah, there's been a, a bunch of people that have moved out. But uh, by the same token, you know, you look at, 
you look at the the other side, a lot of LA guys have gone to New York, like uh, Nate Wood and Sax Guy from that band, Anybody, like Ben something, I can't remember. Wendell, I think. I sorry, no disrespect. I'm just not good with names. Good with faces, not names. Um, so Better as many with names than I am. As many as have come out here, you know, the other the reverse is true. So yeah. who knows? But yeah, there's there's just more there's more of a deeper bench on the jazz side of things in New York, I think. Um, yeah, but I, I think the contrary is true. Maybe on the rock side of things, there's more there's more rockers out here. Right. Which, you know, is, is cool. you got to have a little bit of everything. But, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, I, I love it out here. I've, I've been out here over 10 years now, too. Yeah, man. And, uh, I, and you grew up, did you grow up in New York or... I grew up in the suburbs. I'm suburbs. not going to lie and be like, yeah, man, I'm from the Bronx. Like, right. no, I mean, I spent most of my adult life in Brooklyn, um, and then right before I moved out here, I was in Queens in Astoria, which if I had to move back, I'd probably move back to Astoria because it's awesome. Great neighborhood, you know? Yeah. Um, the other major difference in New York, uh, between New York and L.A., is the scene itself. Like, in New York, it used to be, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm pretty out of touch with the scene there now, but it used to be like... We could go out with a buddy on a night off and probably see between three and five super dope musical things and walk to maybe half of them, if not jump in a cab or jump on the subway. Uh, whereas in L.A., you'd be lucky to get to two. Um, right. I mean, there's shit happening everywhere. Um, but as far as the community goes, it's a lot more kind of tighter knit. Um, sure. There's a great community here as well, and um, I'm not really. I'm at the point where um, I'm not like going out to jam sessions. Not that I'm above that or anything. I I still would enjoy doing that, but I'm not like eagerly hunting them out so I could try to hook up with someone so I could try to get a gig. I mean, between doing between doing Frankie's thing and I'm still uh, playing in Missing Persons, which um, is I'm so grateful that Dale lets me kind of come and go. Uh, not as I please. I, I try to I try to do every date I can with every project that I'm involved in. But sometimes there's conflicts, and she'll let me, you know, find a sub. And um, uh, fortunately, some of the old members that have been in the band in the past uh, live in L.A. Like uh, Nate Morton has subbed uh, for me recently. He used to play with Dale a long time ago, and so that's that's really cool that uh, she enables me to do that. Because Frankie's gig is you can't sub. It's like if you right. if you're in you're in. If gotcha. You, if you if you're out you're out. <laughs> so um, that makes sense when you get to that level. Yeah, yeah. And also he works a ton. You know, it's like fifty or sixty dates a year. So that's wow for eighty seven year old man. It's not bad, right? Yeah, <laughs> man, for sure. Yeah, the you mentioned the missing persons thing, and I I told you this. I I remember mentioning this to you already when we were at that other gig. But uh, my one experience with. Uh, where we kind of cross, I guess, almost crossed paths before I knew you. Uh, had a gig at the Canyon uh, out in where's that Agora Hills? Yeah. Uh, opening for Missing Persons with uh, this artist I was playing with, and we're like, we're at the you know we're in our set. I think we're in the literally the last song, like the last minute of the <laughs> last song. And I just happened to get somebody got my attention from the side of the stage. I look over and there's a, you know, this, the monitor <laughs> guy just like extend, you know, he's giving me the extend uh, yeah. 
thing like, <laughs> like, the, like keep the pulling, going. pulling the taffy pulling the taffy <laughs> and like the the moving your face like keep go- can you guys keep going yeah. and i'm like uh and i tried to like i got our we finished the song and like i got our singer's attention like they want us to keep you know we had already been we're like, gonna play funk 49 until they tell <laughs> us to stop <laughs> pretty much yeah uh now we're doing a free jazz <laughs> odyssey uh, yeah <laughs> jazz odyssey um and I, I i don't even know if we because the the artist we were playing for it's not a guy you could just like throw something sure. at. It's just like, hey man, we got to extend. So uh, let's do all the things you are, and then caravan, and then moments <laughs> notice, and yeah, no. not quite his wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> but the funny thing was, like, we were like the backing band for the artist. We were a, a band as yeah. well. So like, there was a minute there where we were like, should we just do a set as our band? <laughs> that would have been great. But at that point, they were just like. I think I don't know if we did one more song or something that, that he could do. I think that was do. the night that um, I think Dale, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was in January of I'm going to guess 17 or 18. Yeah, it was definitely like four years ago, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah, I, I remember that too because I was so excited to get the year started off um, with you know a bunch of you know pretty high paying work. So yeah. I remember we had like two weekends of three gigs per weekend. So, you know, there's a nice, there's a nice January financial cushion right there. Yeah. It's nice to see the calendar just like, yeah, yeah, like that. Especially in in the, you know, quote unquote lean months. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I remember being disappointed that, uh, that, that those didn't happen. And, uh, also kind of concerned you know you don't ever want to cancel gigs yeah unless something's really wrong and i th- I think she was pretty sick i can't exactly remember sure but uh yeah. it was definitely like a last minute though yeah. because we were yeah. <laughs> she was supposed to go on in 30 minutes or whatever and i think everybody it, was pretty disappointed i don't, I don't even <laughs> I, we might have even been there waiting for her probably she didn't show up yeah you know? anyway i mean they definitely didn't let us it didn't seem like they knew yeah Considering that at that last song, they're like, oh, can you keep going? Like, I don't think the venue yeah. knew. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so they ended up, you know, having to make an announcement like, uh, yes, yeah, not going to make it. Sorry. Yeah. It was it. just kind of that awkward, like, all right. Well, let's go, let's go get some ribs at the smokehouse next door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but yeah, so any anything else with that gig that would be... Well, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, uh, it's an incredible, uh, for me being a, like a Zappa head, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's an honor to even sit in a seat that Terry occupied right decades ago because he hasn't done the band for a long time because sure. of personal stuff obviously that didn't end wonderfully but um you know uh, so many of my friends have been in the band over the years and you know i actually played with warren for a little bit when i first moved to la um just doing some some weird fusion stuff which i love doing weird fusion stuff but um he actually mentioned it back then. He was like, "Yeah, you'll we'll probably end up doing some missing persons gigs. You go like go to an '80s festival and play walking in L.A. for a half an hour." And, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and you know, when when that kind of when that ended, um, you know, I went on to do a, a lot of other things with a lot of different people. But then 
there was a keyboard player I was playing with a lot at a certain point named Stéphane Delain, who's now living back in uh, France, very wonderful keyboard player. And he was doing it uh, with this great drummer named Havo Barrera. I'm not positive where Havo's from. I know he's, I know he's Hispanic, um, some form of uh, Latino vibes. Um, I want to say maybe from Spain Spanish, Castilian Spanish. I'm not sure. Havo's amazing. Check him out. Um, but yeah, Havo couldn't make a gig. Uh, they were doing some 80s club and, you know, off the 10 somewhere out there, out east, like wherever, Pomona, Pacoima, one of the yeah. one of the P cities. <laughs> <laughs> so no rehearsal, just show up. These are the tunes. So I'm like, you know, frantically. I, I knew about five or six of them and then, you know, the other... The other five or six I had to, you know, really dig in and learn. And I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on there. So yeah, I did the gig, and I would have given myself probably like a, a B minus, you know? Yeah. Thanks, honey. You were great. Um, you know, uh, if I if we need you in the future, we'll give you a call. thought it was a one-time deal. Two weeks later, she goes, do you want to do it full-time? I said, sure. Um, and no. uh, that was probably in 2015. Something yeah. Like that. It's been a while. Um, you know, we've played at the forum, we've played at the Microsoft center a couple of times. We've done a lot of really fun gigs, uh, and continue to, um, and it's just nice to be a, a part of that lineage in any capacity, you know? So, yeah, man. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, playing those just so many big venues, yeah. like, tell me about that. And has anything ever like. I mean, when something goes wrong on a big uh, stage like that, it's got to be extra epic. Yeah, fortunately. Oh, yeah. So I have a good story about something potentially being a train wreck at a huge venue. Okay. Um, you know, I, I approach every gig the same. If I'm playing, if I'm playing for no one, uh, I always say I don't care if it's the Madison Square Garden or the Olive Garden. I approach it the same. You know? <laughs> I like that. And it's a good one, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, it's never. I've never had uh, a, a train wreck occur at a at a big venue because, not because of anything. I mean, I've seen I've seen my heroes deal with stuff in big venues and and deal deal with it gracefully. You yeah, know, it just becomes comes with experience. Sure, it's just like you drop a stick on a gig at a local bar or you drop a stick at the forum. It's you're still dropping a stick. They, hopefully, you don't drop a beat. You pick up the next stick and get back to work, you know? Yeah. Um, and thank God that hasn't happened. But if it does, it's like, you know, no big deal. I've seen all my heroes drop sticks, and that's not a disaster. A disaster is like, you know, you're about to fall off the back of the riser because your drum throne's leg is, you know? Like, so, yeah. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> so getting back to the story I was going to reference, I've been very fortunate to not have any repetitive motion disorder kind of things like tendonitis or carpal tunnel, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, but uh, halfway through uh, the last UK tour that we did with Frankie, um, my I started feeling some numbness like on the, like the pinky side of my arm. And it yeah. kind of went from my pinky up to my elbow. Not anything super concerning. Uh, I thought maybe I slept on it or weird or whatever. But... 
you know, of course, it 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 kind of reached critical mass at uh, when we played at the O2, which was like twenty thousand people or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, to make matters more interesting, uh, my my main drum teacher of of my life, uh, my my dear friend Pete. Pete Zelbin, who I love so much, um, and he he actually lives in England for the last twenty years or whatever. He was at the gig. We had dinner before, and I was telling him, he's like, oh, "It sounds like you got some kind of, you know, maybe nerve thing or whatever." Yeah. So just you know, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. So instead of just totally reveling in the fact that I'm playing at the you know at this awesome venue in London and it's like a, you know, all these people, I, you know, I don't get nervous anymore. I just the whole time I'm just thinking like. Just hold on to that goddamn stick, you know. <laughs> just don't drop the stick because it was instead of really being able to be free and just enjoy the moment, which right. I which I did for the most part. I was just like hanging on to my right drumstick for dear life. So when I got back to the states, um, I, I did everything. I went to, I got a, and you know, I went the non-holistic route, modern medicine route. I, I went the the holistic route. I got acupuncture. I did this. I did that. I did I did everything to kind of get it to the point where I was like, okay, I think I got this. The problem with that is, like, you don't know which thing did it, you know? It's right. like, I don't know if the, yeah. the traditional medicine did it or or the massage therapy or the cryotherapy or the acupuncture or the right. combination of everything. But thank goodness, long story short, you know, that's over. So, yeah. Nice. Disaster averted at the O2, but, you know, it, it, it could have been just... Could have been bad, but thankfully it wasn't. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. You you mentioned something um, that we were, uh, before about like a crazy thing that happened in Zurich. <laughs> uh, yeah, another <laughs> a, another bass player story. Okay. Um, so a buddy of mine um, who I actually just saw this weekend um, in Minnesota, Jason Wiseman, is a saxophone player I went to Berkeley with. Um, he called me. Uh, in 2001 and said hey man i got this hook up at this jazz club in switzerland um do you want to go uh and and do the gig it's like six weeks uh play six nights a week you know you get paid a couple of free meals a day served to you by 18 to 23 year old beautiful swiss and other <laughs> As um, if the other things yeah, weren't, weren't that, as enough. If that weren't enough. <laughs> yeah, like the owner's wife had this bistro that was like a hundred feet away from the club, and we lived in apartments above the club. It was an absurdly awesome setup. Wow. So I'm like, hell yeah. So uh, he says, who do you want to play bass? So I was like, Matt Rubano. So me and Matt are, have been buddies forever. Um, and he's out, he's actually out with uh, Angels and Airwaves right now with an amazing drummer named Elon Rubin, who if you don't know, check him out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I said, yeah, let's do it, man. So I said, I said, called up Matt and I said, Leo, let's go to Switzerland and, and play some some music. And he's like, sure. So we're flying over, and as we're about to land, the plane is experiencing turbulence. I've been on a million planes. This is some scary shit. Yeah. We're about a hundred feet above the runway, about to land, and the plane is like, the wing is, you know, almost vertical. You know. Oh man. We could see like pebbles on the runway, and nine eleven had just happened Ooh. fairly recently. So 
me and Matt are like sitting next to each other, like, "Whoa, man! If, if this is it, I'm glad it's with you, bro." <laughs> you know that kind of shit. Um, Some almost famous stuff. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't. I didn't admit that I had any different sexual preferences, <laughs> but other than that, it's pretty similar. So, pilot aborts the landing, um, pulls the stick up, and we catapult right back up to you know half cruising altitude. It felt like. Stewardess gets on the gets on the PA and says, "As you can see, the captain has aborted the landing procedure." And we're like, "No shit, honey! What the fuck's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> People are puking into the the, oh, uh, the back. Yeah. It's like you know ridiculous. So anyway, we circle around. It wasn't any terrorist stuff, thank goodness. It was just some motherfucker turbulence in, yeah. the, in the Alps. Comes around, things bobbing and weaving again, but he manages to land that time. So we're on the ground, everyone fucking claps and thanks to their lucky stars. <laughs> so we're, I'm in, I'm in the, I'm getting, just getting my room set up and just chilling. And, and Matt's like, hey man, that was some scary shit. Let's go get a nice dinner and just chill. I said, all right, okay, cool. So we found this really dope Indian restaurant right by the club. Have a nice meal. Walking back to the club. And um, I'm like, bro, that's fucking Chad Smith, <laughs> uh, right? And he's like, I think so. So I walk up to him and I kind of like push him and I go, yo, you're Chad Smith, right? He goes, yeah, you speak English? I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm a drummer too. He's like, you want to hang out and have some beers? And I'm like, nah, I'm kidding. And I was like, yeah, dude, what the, of course. You, know? so, <laughs> you sure it was Chad Smith or was it Will Ferrell? <laughs> I got, that's funny you should say that because I got a story about him too. Um, <laughs> I actually played the drum solo at the fucking Catalina wine mixer uh, in <laughs> yeah. Step Brothers. So, oh shit! Yeah, that's me. If that's you, awesome. When the when the camera's not on John C. <laughs> Riley's face and it shows like from the shoulders down, and you see like hairy gorilla Italian arms, <laughs> that's me. Actually, Hell that's yeah. another good LA story. But um, Hell let, yeah. let me finish up the chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we. Um, Chad's super cool. We're having some beers. We're just telling war stories. What are you doing? What are we doing? Blah, blah, blah. He said, oh, we're playing, you know, at the Holland Stadium tomorrow night, which is like the forum of Zurich. You guys want to come? And we're like, fucking yes. Our gig didn't start until like two nights later. So we had a couple of nights before nice. our shit kicked in. So I'm like, you got, you know, you got room on your guest list. He's like, I don't know anyone in Zurich, dude. <laughs> I'm like, cool. <laughs> so he, I'm like, put us down plus five, you know? Because I'm thinking maybe we'll bring the club owner and his family or who, so some of the other guys in the, the band. Yeah, we, <laughs> you dig. So anyway, my voice sounds so shredded, but whatever, I'll keep going. So um, I said, yo, you want to come and see the club we're playing at? So I bring Chad back to this place called the Casa Bar. I don't even know if it's there anymore. I hope it is, but, I, I, you know, it's a jazz club. So it, it was there forever. Yeah. But the owner had since passed. It's another long story. Um, so we bring him, we bring Chad Smith them, and I say to the owner, his, whose name is Herman Klaverdich, so he talked like this, you know, he's Austrian yeah. actually, uh, he had a beautiful, uh, beautiful Iranian wife, Persian wife, uh, and two really great kids, just wonderful memories, wonderful people. So I bring Chad in, I go, yo Herman, <laughs> it's my first night in Zurich. Yo, Herman, this is Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And he's like, yeah, this is the kind of people that you hang out with. I'm like, yeah, you know, 
It was my first night in Zurich ever. So, you know, typically, like, if I was in New York or something, I'd, I'd be hanging out with, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Al Pacino. But, like, Zurich, you know, slim picking. So this is the best <laughs> I could do. You know, I use my, yeah. my gamesmithness. Yes. Um, so he's all like, oh, so what is he doing in town? I said, oh, he's playing at Holland Stadium tomorrow night. He goes, so naturally you're going to take my wife and my daughter. Sure, Herman, you got it. <laughs> So Chad's like, yeah, get there early because the um, the opening band is a motherfucker. This is 2001, I think. Yeah, one or two. So I said, oh, who's the opening band? He says, this is a band called the Mars Volta. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. And uh, that was when John Theodore, who's a, a bro of mine, um, uh, was in the band. And that, you know, right before or maybe concurrent when D. Louse and the Comatorium came out. Huge, like... That's yeah. my favorite of their albums. Oh, yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. I love John. He, uh, when I first moved to Santa Monica, I lived down the street from him. We used to walk our dogs together and just be, you know, beach drummer bums together. Um, anyway, so we get there early and we see Mars Volta and me and Matt are like, these guys are fucking incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and the so, girls are like, we're going to go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was, no, that was before they were uh, huge. So there was, you know, there's girls because of the chili peppers. But yeah, yeah. You know, later years, Mars Volta, like when my buddy Dave Village was doing this, like all dudes. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Cock forest. <laughs> so it's funny in, in, in Switzerland, they embraced the, uh, the weed thing very early. So we're watching and Matt uh, Rubano like kind of nudges me. He's like, yo, check it out. Herman's daughter's rolling a fucking Bob Marley ass joint. <laughs> I'm not much of a smoker. I mean, like, occasionally, but and it's never been really my thing. Um, so she rolls this big ass spliff, passes it to Matt. Matt is a smoker. Matt sucked down half the damn thing. <laughs> I took my little girl hit that I... <laughs> Yay, me too, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then hand it back, and she passes it to mom. And we're like, all right, mom, you know? Yeah, get it. 15 minutes later, mom's hands are in her, in her uh, you know, her, her head's in her hands, <laughs> and her head's in her lap, and she's like in outer space. And we're like, oh, shit. Huge <laughs> mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, the long and short of it is at the end of the night, she was fine. We didn't get, uh, you know, we didn't get murdered by the Swiss mafia for you know, getting the 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 boss's wife high but right. uh, yeah that was quite an opening uh swiss experience for, for me that's crazy yes yeah, so so i've seen chad a few times since then and i always remind him of that story the last time i saw him um was in i think it was what's that cedar rapids or something falls in michigan i'm i was I uh yeah, one of those. One cedar, of those. yeah, Cedar. Yeah, I, it might, like I don't think it was Detroit. It was one of those other rock cities. And man, Michigan is the most rockin' state. Period. Like, think so? aud audiences in Michigan for rock shows. I mean, this is the point I'm getting at. So, last time I saw Chad, I was playing um, with Sebastian Bach oh, in, yeah. in Michigan, and uh, Chad had a night off. So Chad looks in the paper and looks like who is playing. So he saw Sebastian's playing at this place and this other band's playing. So his goal that night was to sit in with as many bands as he could. I think he got four, you know. Wow. So he comes backstage and I remind him of the story. Oh, yeah, you know, I'd seen him once or twice since the Zurich situation. Yeah. And, you know, man, like... I'm I'm bad with names. Imagine being Chad Smith, like who meets a billion people every right. day, you know. So I remind him. He goes, "Oh, okay, I vaguely remember that." And he's polite if he remembers it or not. But whatever. Sure. So 
he sat in. We were, it was right after Dwayne Allman died um, when I was uh, doing a couple of tours with Sebastian Southern for Bobby Jarzomak, who's now playing with George Strait, which is awesome. You know? Okay. Um, so I think, yeah, whatever. Um, so, yeah, he sits in on Whipping Post because we were playing that as a tribute to Dwayne. Um, I mean, sorry, Greg. Jesus. <laughs> Get your almond straight, boy. <laughs> Wrong almond. Yeah, so, uh, yes, Chad's a, Chad's a, he's a kook. Don't yeah, kook. I, the Sebastian Bach, too, is another one that <laughs> uh, opened for. Oh, yeah. 20, yeah, all your stories are you played with somebody, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I opened for them. <laughs> but, uh, I'm you sure know. vice versa. We just, we'd, <laughs> we'd have to just really get open our, uh, our, open our, archi- our calendars and be like, oh, like, yeah. yeah, I open for you now. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, um, but no, the, the, the Sebastian, I, I might have even told this story before on the podcast, but um, he, the, like, uh, you know, there's like a long, si- whatever, long sound check as, as it happens. Um, and like right before Sebastian was supposed to go on, the I think it was like a new front of house guy or something like that. Maybe it was his first day, <laughs> and he like deleted the whole scene. Oh boy! Accidentally, so <laughs> like they're supposed to go on, and they like at that point did like another hour of like line check. Yep, and that was pretty awkward. Yeah, you know because we'd already done our set open, you know, and it was like. Oh shit! Like, what is happening? And then yeah, you find Sebastian. Out and he was not happy. No, no. I, I mean, I love Sebastian. I, I've got great relationships with most of the people I've worked with, and um, you know, he uh, he he wants it a certain way. You know, yeah. He's uh, he's a character, obviously, but we get along great. Like, I remember you know speaking to like how do you get the gig or whatever. I was at Ralph's shopping. Oh yeah, grocery store. I was yeah. like, "Is that a new bar?" Down there? <laughs> no, I was like, "Good name." I was like, "Should club. I get brown rice or white rice?" And uh, the phone rings, and it's, uh, it's you know, I, I feel like such an LA douchebag, but it's is my friend uh, Danny Carey from Tool. Oh, let me pick that up. That's off another the floor. name. Yeah. So Danny's <laughs> like, "Hey man, um, Sebastian called me to to do uh, a tour, and I can't do it. Would you be interested in doing?" It? I'm like, "Hell yeah, dude! I, that'd be great." So. You know, every gig that I've done that's of any kind of magnitude, so to speak, it's been like, you want to do the gig? Sure. I, this guy recommended you. Great. Yeah. Most times when I audition, I mean, I'm not going to say that, but like a lot of times when I audition, I'll be prepared. I think, you know, I've did a great job and sometimes like I don't get the gig. And this is, you know, I don't really audition much anymore, not because I'm some kind of a big deal, but just at a certain point, it's just like... You know, I've played with all these people. Hire me. If I suck, fire me. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, anyway, the po- point is uh, I got that gig through a recommendation, and that's just kind of how it happens after a certain point. Sure. I actually did audition for something recently. I don't know if I told you this story, and I'm not going to go too far into it. but Sure. I, um, I auditioned for something that was enormous and would have been awesome, and I didn't get it. And, uh, and you know, a lot of people... Uh, Especially now, I like to say the right thing all the time. You know, you know, it's nice to be invited to the party. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I get the concept of taking the high road and always saying the right thing and being boring and bland. 
fuck those guys. <laughs> no one knows who it is, but who, for those of you that know who it is, fuck those guys. You made the wrong choice. I think I do, and it's uh, <laughs> too bad. But you know, yeah. things I, happen for a reason. It's all right. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm 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 being. I like to be. Uh, I like to be, you know, contrarian and edgy and hyperbolic just for uh, for effect because it's ex- more exciting than saying the right thing all the time, which, God, that is the most boring shit possible. <laughs> I could drop three names, huge names right now that, that do that, like always say the right thing. And it's like, that's great. You're never going to get in any trouble. And I don't really want to listen to you play because that's kind of how it sounds to me. Like everything's that's safe. That's a good point. That's a good point. I there is like there's a correlation correlation there. That's like I want a, I want a little bit of surprise. I want a, a little bit of garlic. A little bit of edge. You yeah. know, I don't want I don't want safety all the time. You know, it's like everyone's gonna. You're not gonna please everyone. You know, and uh, I you know I'm I'm a happy camper most of the time. But like you know, a lot of time I bitch about stuff. Sometimes I'm in a foul mood and I'm not going to like to tell people that I, you know, fake it till you make it and, you know, smile all the time. It's like, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be human. You know, I have good days and bad days, more good than bad, which is cool. Yeah. Well, you've been nothing, nothing but pleasant to me. So, I mean, <laughs> well, you're a- such a, you're <laughs> such a miserable bastard. Evan. I mean, now dude, like you're the nicest guy maybe ever. So, but, wow. uh, but you know, you, se- <laughs> you see, you seem, uh, you seem super real since the, the three months that I've known you and you're easy to talk to. So Thanks, I mean, that, that's the bottom line, man. You know? My whole philosophy is I don't care who you are, if you're the Pope or you're uh, the garbage man or a homeless dude, everyone gets treated the same, you know? I like that. Respect. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're talking about, like, you know, not always playing it safe, too. I, I couldn't help but think of Greg, who we play with, <laughs> Greg Erba, Greg and the Gallows, yes, shout sir. out. And we've had that conversation before where it's like one of the cool things about playing with Greg uh is he just kind of, he just goes for stuff. Oh, yeah. I love that about <laughs> you know, him. He does have that, you know, even though, like, the music we're mainly playing is, like, you know, country and rock and kind of swampy, some bluesy stuff yeah. and, you know, a, a, a nice mix. But he's got the jazz background, too. And he'll just, like, on his solo, you just never <laughs> know where he's going to go. My, my man has gigantic cojones like he will take <laughs> he will he will look at you in the eye and take it up a half step and just be like yep that's right motherfucker like you know like yeah he will do the most like up to shit on purpose and he knows what the hell he's doing yeah you know i, I, t- I think i told you this story maybe like i have a band called blanco diablo and it's kind of a rotating cast of characters because i just I, you know whoever's available whoever i talked to that day oh a gig just came in you want to do it it's there's no preference everyone's awesome yeah the guitar bench is deep. The saxophone bench is deep. The percussion bench is deep. Bass bench, like every every guy that I hire, everyone's awesome. Nice. I remember the first time, you know, and some of the guys are are more jazz guys, and some of the guys are more, you know, straddle the fence guys like myself. Sure. Yeah. So I'm gonna put a couple dudes on blast right now. I remember. Uh, I hired Greg for this one gig we were doing. I mean, me and Greg had done a billion gigs together. We're, we're straight up family at this point. His birthday is October 2nd. Mine's October 1st. We just had, you know, every... Ah, happy yeah. belated, Well, thank man. you, thank you. Um, it's just we're two peas in the pod, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So, um, um, 
the first time that Catisse Buckingham and Irva played together, we were playing at this little uh, now defunct place in, in Santa Monica called Ariel. We used to play there a lot. And so Catisse is more of a jazz dude for the most part, you know. Um, and, and, you know, he sees Greg walk in. Catisse is used to playing with, like, <laughs> you know, all the L.A., like, uh, who like I don't know like Larry Koontz and uh, you know Bruce Foreman and Mike Landau. I mean I don't know. I'm just saying random guitar Jedi yeah. names that they're familiar. But you know he, Greg comes in and Greg's more from like the country and rock scene. But Greg can fucking play some, some serious shit. You know? Well, and Greg also you know he's jacked. Yeah, and yeah. like look. I mean he's got a look. <laughs> he's got a look. You know he's usually wearing just like a tank top yep. like. Yeah, uh, he looks like he could just like get under the hood of your F one fifty and fix it, and then lift it off of him. You know, yeah, he might be like <laughs> lugging gear, or uh, you know, and he plays his ass off. Yeah, it's like, like, are you here to move the piano or to play it? You know, <laughs> exactly. so I remember, I remember like seeing Katiz look at Greg and be like, hmm, interesting choice. Like, like kind of, you didn't say that, but I could, I you know, I know my dudes. You know? Yeah, so. I, I couldn't wait until Greg's first solo. So I, th I think I, like, every, basically, like, whatever we're, we're playing, and the music is eclectic. We play African music, you know, we play, like, Afrobeat or Cuban music or death metal or funk, like Herbie's fusion kind of stuff, uh, you know, or Weather Report. It's all over the fucking map. Or we'll yeah. just play songs and everything in between because I have ADD and, <laughs> you know, in the generation that has uh ipods and iphones on shuffle it's like shostakovich and then meshuga and then oscar peterson and then you know bill withers so anything goes now in my mind at least so i throw greg the first solo and i'm just looking at katice and waiting for greg to do some of that shit that he does <laughs> and as soon as greg started playing some kind of more out shit i saw katice's eyebrows go up like two inches and like him kind of like look over like what the fuck and from that <laughs> moment i was like yes I, I, and it was just such a nice such a nice moment for me because it's like you know i'm not saying i'm not saying katice is judgy i'm just saying it, I, it was funny because it didn't. It didn't. It didn't look like it was going to sound or sound like it was going to look or whatever the right way to say. Yeah, looks and, gonna uh, be deceiving. And I walked up to Katiz. I go, "What you think of my boy?" He's like, "Bro," I'm like, "Yep." So it's, it's a nice little. <laughs> and now it's like whenever my band plays together, no one, no one really knows who's going to be on the gig until they they see the text thread for that, you know, iteration of the. the I don't really uh, go out of my way to 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 book, or I'm not I'm not really that ambitious. I should be more ambitious, and I should go more out of my way. But I've I've a day job, and I've got a kid, and I've a lot of gigs. It's and, more and of a passion time. project. Yeah, it's just, just it's just fun, man. Yeah. And I typically take a bath because I, you know I just pay my dudes out of my pocket, and at the end of the night, if there's anything left over for me, great, you know. Yeah. But uh, the bottom line is, uh, whatever iteration of the band is, it's, it's nice when certain iterations get back together because. You know, it's it's weird. Like, it's kind of consistent. Like, a lot of times it'll be like Frank Fontaine, Jamie Kime, Christian Moraga, Dave Goodwin, Matt Rohde, uh, me, or it'll be Catisse, Urba, Joey DeLeon, um, Sandra Rebel. Like, it, it, it's always kind of like the. Oh, I know Sandra. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a yeah. he's a character. Yeah, <laughs> spent a lot of time on the road with Sandro, among other things. But um, yeah, so it's it's always nice to see uh, who's available for the gig. I always know it's going to be great. Uh, I just never know who's available because when you hire all the baddest dudes, people are invariably unavailable. Yeah. That's definitely an LA thing 
too is yeah. like most bands unless you're Frankie Valley and can afford to be like no this is your gig or it's not yeah exactly uh, like most things have a have a depth chart yeah. and stuff and it's I mean it just kind of it's part of the nature of the beast out here yeah for most things unless it's I, like your band that shit doesn't fly in other countries man right like, like England it's like if you said to dudes in like the band that you were in growing up like yeah you know I'm doing this other thing it's like oh really like they will f- fucking kick your ass. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Well, even like, uh, I mean, yeah. Just just elsewhere, I, I just remember being in bands in like St. Louis when I first started gigging, and like I, I had you know I had a cover band, and then this other band came up, and and everybody was a little butthurt. It was yeah, just like, and it's sure. like it's only two bands. Like it's it's not a big deal, you know. Yeah, and so. we we gig a couple times a month. Like it's it's gonna yeah. be okay, you know. Yeah, well, that's the thing, man. Like um. I was, I think we were talking earlier. Uh, you got to be able to wear a lot of hats, especially in today's yeah, gonna, climate. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, if you like, I always say to everyone, like, I'm not the best at anything, but I'm pretty damn good at everything. You know what I mean? Uh, not to be like, hey, me, but like, I'm not the best jazz drummer by a thousand miles. I'm not the best rock drummer, fusion drummer, Latin drummer, whatever, but I'm very competent in all of those genres you know like i can i can play brazilian music with brazilian people and they wouldn't be bummed out like i could go to cuba and and kind of you know fit in yeah and uh you know most dudes are not interested in doing that but uh i am because for me i like to be involved in as many different kind of musical opportunities as i can that i that are that are fun gratifying pay whatever um, it would be nice if I didn't like everything. It would be nice to right. specialize. It would be nice to, nice to just be, I'm a fucking rock dude and that's it. But I f- feel like that's shooting yourself in the foot because eventually, not to sound ageist or whatever, but at a certain point, unless you're Frankie Valley, of course, you kind of time out from a lot of those gigs. Like, you know, yeah. there's, you know, the, everyone's like, oh, move to LA and call Barry Squire as long as you're under fucking 28 years old. Right, exactly. Know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I did the same shit when I got to LA. I was already over 30. So I was like too old for that scene, which yeah. is ridiculous because whatever. Um, but anyway, I, I, I understand that whole philosophy. But I know guys <laughs> that are quote unquote specialists that were in bands that were successful. And now they're not successful anymore, and they can only do one thing, so they end up having to not basically do music anymore, you know? Right. Which is a shame, you know? Um, For sure. Because I can, I know that I'm going to be, if, you know, God willing, if I make it, you know? uh, But, you know, I look at someone like Roy Haynes, and that motherfucker's 90, whatever, still playing the goddamn drums. It's like, yeah, that's, I I want music to be a lifelong endeavor. I want to be able to... You know, sure, I'd like to play, uh, you know, heavy metal at uh, at 75 years old if I could. It just physically, your body's not really gonna. Well, that's yeah. that's a good point too. Is like, yeah, physically, yeah. at some point, style and the style. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a huge difference between playing metal and playing country or whatever. Sure. sure. And. Uh, well, you I, and also you were you were talking about like being pigeonholed yeah. with things, and that's something for me too. Like once I started getting hired to play in country bands, yeah. and I was never a country guy. I never even same, listened to country same here, music same here. before I got hired to be in one, and then suddenly it was like 
the, that was like the majority of my gigs yeah. all of a sudden, and I'm like, it's a lot of work on that scene though, and, and you're yeah. really you're really good at it as well. So that's you know, and bass players are so in demand. There's endless jokes about it. <laughs> first week of bass lessons, how it goes, great. Second week, what? How was the lessons? Like, ah, I blew it off. I had a gig. Exactly. Know? Yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> you know, in regards to the country thing, like I, um, you know, growing up in New York, it's not really like a kind of a country kind of hang, but yeah. Um, when I was living in uh, in Brooklyn in my 20s, um, there was a bit of a scene, you know? So I, I kind of checked it out. There's that place on 3rd Avenue in the 20s. Uh, God, what the hell is it called? And there's some country bar that had that sh- that had uh, a stage, and they'd do, um, you know, this place to gig and a couple places in Williamsburg. And uh, I joined this band called the Cuban Cowboys uh, for a while. And the, the leader of that band's name was uh, Jorge Navarro, a really great singer, songwriter, storyteller, interesting guy. Like, his dad was like a fucking Cuban merchant marine, immigrant <laughs> to Hialeah, Florida. Used to tell my buddy Jorge when he was a kid, like, that, you know, I'm fighting a battle between my legs and one day you'll understand, you know. <laughs> what? Meaning, <laughs> mean, I was like, meaning like he, he had a very active libido. Like, gotcha. Married three times, all three times to a woman with the same first name, Cecilia, Whoa. I believe. Like, heavy, crazy shit. And Jorge's, a, you know, very smart guy and, you know, he he turned these stories into songs and uh we did a record and you know it was, it was mildly successful in the in the early 2ks or whatever it was and uh that kind of started getting me listening to a little bit more country music because he was you know my buddy luca benedetti who was in the band great guitar player and lives in new york um they started hipping me to like you know Ry Cooter and um, like Merle Haggard and and stuff like that. So I was peripherally listening to that stuff a little bit. Um, and the band, funny enough, it was a combination. Like the concept of the band kind of turned into like it was like surf music, country music, and like San Montuno, like kind of Cuban stuff. Like and none of it was very authentic. But the blend of it was pretty organic, and it was fun. And it was like half in English, a little bit in Spanish. It was just a fun fucking band, you know. We did South by Southwest a bunch of times, you know, raised absolute hell on the Lower East Side in Manhattan. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Partied like, you know, you're supposed to. And uh, it was awesome. Um, the reason I bring it up is because that was kind of my first brush with country. And, you know, a lot of my friends are like... Fuck, fuck that shit. You know, like that, like white boy rednecks. It's like, yeah, 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 I get, I get that whole take on it, but you know, if you're, if you're, for, for me, if I'm interested in things that sound good, yeah, and and that's that's wide open. Like, I don't care if it's opera or death metal or you know, uh, Waylon Jennings or what. If it sounds good to me. I like it, and I want to be able to participate in something that's that. So the problem is, like you were talking about being pigeonholed, you know, I would often, I, you know, a lot of times my quote-unquote look, I look like a long-haired dirtbag rock guy, you know? Um, I don't know if I would say that exactly, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like just a dirtbag. <laughs> so, you know, I would show up. I mean, I've grown my hair to my knees, cut it, almost shaved my head kind of thing. 
I just, I, my look changes a lot, but recently it's been more consistent with the long hair. I'm not talking about the way I look. The, I'm trying to make a point. The point is, like, in the past, when my hair has been long and I show up to play a jazz trio gig in New York City with an acoustic piano and upright bass and someone's eating a fucking $120 filet mignon <laughs> a foot and a half from my hi-hat, you know, and then the maitre d' comes up and sees me setting up with, you know, the way that I look, like a metalhead. Right. So, um uh, you, 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 you think you could play brushes? It's like, and I look at him and being me, I go, uh, what, are, what are those? Like, I don't know. What like brushes. Paint, paint brushes? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like, it like gets so judged by some dudes. It's like, dude, I, I can play quieter than an ant farting in an isolation <laughs> room, you know? So, you, you know, um, and then it, it doesn't stop at uh, Mater D's, you know. It's like you get vibed so hard for not looking traditional, yeah. Uh, especially in the jazz world, which is annoying, man. It's just like, you know, I'm not comparing myself to Miles Davis, but like, you know, someone said, like, you know, don't you miss the old days? And he was like, you know, of course I'm, I miss my friends. You know, I miss John and Paul and and uh, Philly and, and those dudes. He goes, but that. But that era, he's like, man, like wearing suits, walking up to the microphone. He goes, it looks funny, man. It, it looks funny. I could do a good miles right now with my voice being all fucked <laughs> up. But like the, the point that I'm making is like, man, like don't hear with your eyes. That's so jive, man. You know? Like, yeah. Um, I, I understand it's a really cool aesthetic, like the whole uh, the neo bop thing that was happening in the in the 80s with like when Winton was wearing suits and Tane and all those guys. And yeah, I can't remember what they what they called it. Um, there's some kind of name for the movement. Um, but, uh, yeah, I get it. It's really cool to like be really well-groomed and, and, and wearing a fucking Armani suit and walking out and just like the class and all that shit. But, you know, on the contrary, man, like I think it's fucking cool like that a dude that looks like he works at a gas station or is homeless can sit down at a piano and, and play something so beautiful that makes you cry. Like why why isn't that yeah. just as valid, man? Like why do you have to spend money on a suit to be, you know, it's it's just a ridiculous concept to me. And that's why Miles is so dope because he just kept evolving and he was wearing shit that looked like it was like, you know, like he was an extra from the the fifth element, like, you know, like, sh like space <laughs> outfits with like aluminum foil and shit, you know? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's, it's like, yeah, he was right, you know, as he typically was, you know? Yeah. I mean, like you were saying for, for me, like stylistically, uh, I, I just want to play stuff that sounds good. You mm -hmm. know, I want to play with good musicians. Yeah. And if it happens to be, church music sure. <laughs> or just whatever you know something you know that would be pretty low on my list but um <laughs> depends what church yeah for sure well if it's a new life ministry with john p key sign me up <laughs> yeah <laughs> but well yeah you find a lot of great musicians in, in a lot of churches in la but uh no i kind of kind of anything and i and i definitely country was was a big light bulb for me with that where it was just like i kind of don't like as long as the people on stage know what they're doing and like yeah. I and personal personally too I like them they, absolutely that that has a big big part of it too mm -hmm. um and if I can pay you you know if I can pay you a a, a quick compliment like it, it's a really cool feeling when you play with somebody for the first time and it doesn't sound like that yeah and, and I felt the same way of, about you brother That's, I appreciate yeah. that I mean it and and yeah and you paid me a great a, you know really nice compliment in that gig and 
you know, those are the ones that stick with you when 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 you get a compliment from like a, a someone that that you respect as a musician. And thank you. Um, likewise, likewise. Yeah, it's, it's just like super cool just to play with great with great people and great musicians. I love that, man. You know, and and. It's like, isn't the people say, isn't it boring to just play? It's like, no, it's not boring. It's completely engaging, actually, to play a simple beat. Like your life depends on it, with like the elements that need to be there: time, touch, taste, and tone. Yeah, like that's what it's all about, man. Like, how good does? It do, I don't care how much your instrument costs. How good does it sound? I know it doesn't sound good if you're not playing it, but how good does it sound when you're <laughs> playing it? Like how how good does it? How good does your time feel? How much sincerity and how much intention are you putting behind playing? You know, uh, are you listening? Yeah, swinging you know? doors or whatever. You know, whatever. When I can, I can tell immediately that you're listening. Yeah. Like, and you don't Thank always you. get that from drummers too. Well, especially. Not only just listening, but like that you know what's going on, like harmonically and stuff. Like yeah. it, it just, at least that's what comes across. Where like I can see your your ears perk up when Herba was doing something. You're just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I get that. I get that little evil glint in my eye. Like, yeah, take it out, man. I love that shit. You know. Yeah. Um. That. Yeah. I, thank you for noticing that. I. You know. It's. Um, because it's important to me, man. Like, it's important how it sounds. Yeah. Like, when people show up, and like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like to goof around as much as the next guy, but, you know, to a certain extent and not at the detriment of the music, if everything's going great and you throw in something that's absurd, like if you're playing, you know, like some crazy, stupid, like, offbeat thing just to kind of see if people are paying attention. And then, like, you turn around, like, what the fuck was that? And I wink at you. You know that I'm just being <laughs> ridiculous. And then we carry on, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> My buddy Christian Moraga, we would be on stage with Frankie, and he would do this shit where he would, like, he knew that I was expecting him to do something funny because that's just kind of the rapport that we have. Yeah. He would always, like, at this certain point on, like, one of the big hits, he would, like, play on the on a small cowbell like like the e of something you know <laughs> and you know there's a lot going on and and you know sometimes the md would just kind of like look up at us like motherfuckers <laughs> 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 excuse me but um yeah those are those are fun little moments just like speaking in code so to speak and not to try to you're not trying to sabotage anything it's just kind of like you know, it's kind of like you see your buddy walk into the bar. You say, hey, "What's up, shithead?" or something like that. Just to kind of yeah, you find your moment yeah. for those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. You but know, you know, don't want to overdo it. But I, I digress. But you know, uh, yeah. the, the point the point I'm making is like, you know, I like to have fun, but uh, but I am serious about you know that comes across after you count to sure. four. But I, but I want to have a good time. Yeah, and I typically always do. Um, you know, because of all the other things involved in, in my life that. Um, like all the responsibilities of having a day job, which I chose to do um, years ago. I, d I decided to diversify because I just, I saw the MP3 uh, puzzle not being solved after a decade. Right. Uh, I remember when, you know, Spotify, not Spotify, the Lime, Nap Napster. Well, Napster, LimeWire, <laughs> Lime all Wire, that yeah. shit, BitTorrents and stuff. Sure. Or, you know, and then when I started seeing, like, wow, we can get movies on BitTorrents too before they're even in the theater. Right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So 
okay, let's let's wait a few years and see if they figure out how to monetize this the right way. And of course, they didn't. They were greedy, and there was a money grab, and CDs went up to like about twenty dollars. You know, it's insane. It. Yeah, and it's like instead of them just being like this tidal wave of technology is inevitable, let's just embrace it now and be like, hey, everybody. Uh, the new thing is this, and it's 25 cents a song. And everyone would have been like, holy shit, that's a great deal. Let's buy music. Let's keep yeah. buying. And just like ubiquitously having all of the, you know, most corporate entities in music uh, point and, you know, direct everyone towards, you know, this this great new way of buying music for so fucking cheap because a CD is $14 or $18. It's like now you can get an entire record's worth of music for a couple of bucks or you could just buy each song that you like piecemeal, 25 cents here. You know, I'm not saying it should have been 25 cents, but like, you know, if we embraced it for back then, yeah, uh, maybe we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in, you know. And they were late to the party. They they just sat on it. They were and, late to the party, you know. and they were also f straight up fucking greedy, man. Yeah. Like, when I saw them, like, at the last, when Virgin Megastore was still on the corner of Sunset and Laurel Canyon, and I would look through the bins, and I'd be like, wow, they're even more expensive now? You, you like, you greedy motherfuckers. And, you know, I, I say that not worrying about, like, oh, you better not say anything because you're not going to get a deal with A&M or Cal. It's like, yeah, that, that ship's fucking, it's not even sailed. It's circumnavigated the globe a thousand times by this point, so I don't <laughs> care. The point is, is that I saw, I saw no one being able to solve that puzzle. Yeah. Um, and, and not like kind of like throwing my hands up, I give up, I'm going to get a job. You know, my priorities shifted. I, you know, I wanted to start a family, which I did. Um, and I wanted some reliable money, you know? And then, so there's been people that are really kind of cool about me making the decision that I did. And plus, man, like not to sound whatever I sound like, cause I don't care what I sound like. Um, but like, I just don't want to sound arrogant cause I'm not, I, I think I'm very, you know, you know, average at best, but I'm not fishing for compliments. That's just how I feel about myself. Other people might feel a different way, but the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, certain people were like, you know, really cool about me getting a, a day gig, like Pete Griffin, you know, Pete Griffin. Uh, no, he's a great bass player. He does. Uh, he used to play in Dweezil's band, the Zappa Boy Zappa thing. He played in Hanson before that. I got to rub that in. Um, <laughs> he's played with a ton of people. He's doing all those like gen generation acts with like Ingve and Steve Vai and Nuno and all. He's a wow. fucking great yeah. bass player. Um, seasoned veteran, good buddy of mine. Um, hey Pete. Um, you know, he was like, man, I think it's, I think it's really smart what you're doing, you know, cause you know, he's, he saw the same things that I did, but he chose to, you know, diligently keep his um, nose to the grindstone. It's not ear to the grindstone because I, I think <laughs> ear to the grindstone because Ben Affleck says that in Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, so, like, Pete was really cool about it, and a lot of people were supportive, and other people were like, man, why are you, why are you doing that? You work so much as a drummer. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're. You've been a pro forever. You've been doing it this far. It'll be, you know, just keep doing it. And I'm like, yeah, man, I don't really see, I don't really see it trending in a good direction. Right. I'm never going to stop playing, you know, if, right. if, if I have 10 day gigs or whatever, I'm never going to stop playing music. It's, that's not an option for me. It's my, it's my, you know, it's my religion. Uh, and I stand by that. Uh, like music has made me, music has been the most important thing in my life and will continue to be aside from my daughter and my her her mother of course but good save yeah uh, always <laughs> um no i mean like you know i don't know 
it bothers me that people talk about how important music is to them, uh, and then you ask them to, you know, pay for it, and then they're like, you know, right? And, and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's a contest as to like who loves music more, but like, man, I, I fucking, I am capable of putting music on and literally crying viscerally because of how it makes me feel. And if that makes me sound like a pussy, cool. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, like if, if you've never like had like such an incredibly, uh, deep reaction to music where it can make you feel a certain way. Like if you put on, if you're super like depressed and like really hating it and then you put on like, you put on some Joni Mitchell and it just, it's like, it's like being thrust into a, a body of, uh, you know, like warm a, water. Or yeah, something. yeah. Like being bathed in the, uh, in like the crystal geyser. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean like the, there's is shit like is healing yeah. or, or it's capable of like, it's capable of being so beautiful that it makes you cry. I mean, like that's yeah, fucking heavy, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it can transport you. Oh, God. And amazing. Unzip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, just while we're on like the extremes of how, you know, important music is or is not to people and how it can make you feel, I feel bad for, you know, I, I know there's amazing artists out there now. I know there are, there are me, I, I, you know, uh, I think Noah Gunderson is incredible. Um, you know, uh, there's many amazing artists out there. I, mean, I just yeah. name one for the sake of saying someone that deserves to be recognized, you know, but, um, but I think the, I'm not sure about this because the population of earth is double what it was when we were kids almost, you know, Yeah. but, um, like when I when I see what's popular and and hear what people are listening to on a, I live on Ocean Avenue in Santa Monica, man. I hear what people are listening to really loud, and it ain't Steely Dan, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's fine, and it's fine. But it's like, and it's it's also like not really the Foo Fighters, or you know, you know. Occasionally, if I do hear something that's not hip hop, it'll be like a classic rock thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, which is, I, I love all that. I love the classics. I love all of the main food groups, you know, the Stones, <laughs> the Beatles, the Who, uh, the Eagles, all of the things that all, I love all that shit. Yeah. I just, I worry that like, is rock like, I mean, I, I say, I say something absurd. Like, is it, I don't want to say dead, but why isn't there more of an interest? And in what, like, why is all of the interest in, in, hip-hop but then like I, i'm not shitting on hip-hop because i love certain hip-hop sure but like this mumble rap shit like we yeah. went from eminem doing rap god which is like 600 words a minute to lil whatever it is this week <laughs> like repeating the same shit in a monotone over a boring beat with overactive shitty sounding hi-hats like overcompressed like clipping I feel stuff I, and I, you know I don't want to sound like that guy man yeah. but I guess I am and I don't care get off my lawn like <laughs> it's just the stuff that's popular is not for the most part great you know who Rick Beato is obviously yeah right? I mean god god bless that dude he gives everything a chance He's like, that's pretty cool right he was just doing this thing that the number one songs on TikTok my daughter is you know loves tiktok you know christina loves it like everyone loves tiktok i can only i can only watch so much so <laughs> so two or three of the tunes on the top 10 had the same chord progression 
as Just the Two of Us by Bill Withers. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, I love the song. I mean, I love that song. It's one of the fucking greatest songs ever written, you know? Yeah. But just the fact that, like, there's no curiosity uh, to try to do something different. Four chords is now a lot. If we used to be like, there's only four chords now, like, wish there were four chords. You know? <laughs> um, it, it just seems to me that, you know, we all have Instagram. We all see the virtuosos on bass. You know, you got uh, Mohini Day. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing her name incorrectly. She's playing John Coltrane's solo on Countdown at full tempo along with the record. It's astonishing. I'm right. not saying there's a lack of talent. Yeah. You know, you can go down the list. There's, you know, Mohini Day, there's that little kid that goes to all the jam card stuff that's like 12, 13, or 14 that plays as right. soulfully as Rafael Sadiq. I mean, ridiculous, yeah. you know? But why isn't that manifesting <clears throat> in in great songs? Um, maybe, you know, I mean, where, where's where's our generation's, you know, you know Neil Young... Yeah, and 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 even if we had one, would they be getting any airtime? Well, know? that's I think that's a point right there. I I think there are amazing artists out there and amazing songwriters, and for some reason, they don't get pushed. Uh, like it, it's like the scraps of the music industry are 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 so small right now yeah. that they're gonna go. They're not pushing artists that are building a following you already have to have the following yeah. for them to give any attention and you know so they're not really take i mean in general at least the big the big ones aren't aren't taking like chances on like oh this is an artist that i believe in we <laughs> yeah. just need to give them like it's the margins are so thin so yeah. I, I I do think that they're they're out there. I mean, they definitely are. I mean, like I said, I, I referenced one earlier, but like, yeah. just the whether or not whether or not that's ever going to become popular again is the question. I mean, yeah. not to continually always end up going back to Frank Zappa. Herb is like you talk about the same five things all the time, <laughs> and Frank Zappa is one of them. But I mean, I, the reason why I do is because Frank, in my opinion, isn't like the top one of the top five Americans of all time, including, <laughs> you know, Ben Franklin and whatever. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he made this point 35, 40 years ago that, like, you know, the old days, the record companies were like some old cigar-chomping guy going, I don't know, uh, we'll give it a chance. Maybe they'll like it. Who the hell knows? Here's your budget. Give us a record. Right. And then at some point, the hippie that was delivering them coffee, they're like, oh, you're young. What are you like? Well, you know, actually, this doesn't really appeal to most people, so we should try to... And then the the box got smaller and smaller and smaller, and pretty soon the hippie was in the office right. telling them, like, well, I know what's good, and we we have to, like, you know, if this is current right now, we have to have something that sounds just like it. And that's how the whole situation got... It was almost better when it was the cigar-chomping Republicans that didn't know shit. Right. Not to get political, because I hate both sides, just for the record. Um, <laughs> and they hate us, just in case you didn't know that. Um, Preach. Andrew Yang is starting a new um, party, thank God. I think he's calling it the Forward Party, which oh, rules. Interesting. He, was, he was a Democratic um, candidate, the only one that I was really interested in in the last thing. Not to get political, talks about politics. Right, um, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but anyway... Um, the buzzer's going off. We, we, don't, we don't do anything political on this. I stay, try to stay in my lane. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, again, uh, like I said, I hate both sides. Yeah. It's just too bad that there's only two sides. 
but right anyway uh so yeah it was almost better when they were the old guys that had no idea what was cool and just, just let it let, let it, it yeah let it organically yeah. happen the cream rises to the top for sure I'm, right now i'm reading um i'm reading the uh crosby stills and nash uh biography it's so fucking good I mean, oh yeah those guys are so dysfunctional but um but god the talent level i mean steven stills for me has got to be i mean he's my favorite one of, of that whole you know diaspora yeah and i love all of them it's like saying who's your favorite beatles like well i fucking love the beatles but i'm a john guy you know right, um right. but i love paul like uh, an rch if you're an audio engineer you know what an rch is just an <laughs> rch less than uh than john but um yeah like steven stills uh so prolific uh polyglot multiple multiple instrumentalists like there's footage of manassas playing at the capitol theater in jersey in the mid-70s like he's singing from behind the timbales in spanish and then he'll sing in fucking french and english and his band is totally integrated it's like that dude should be like he should have his amount rushmore of his own and he's you know, oh, Stephen Stills, yeah, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, one of those guys. It's like, yeah, do a deep dive on Stephen Stills for those who haven't, and your head will fucking explode. I think I can't remember what label he's with because I don't give a shit about that kind of thing, but I heard from a very reputable source um, a, um, a singer from a band that I didn't get into um, that he had a... Uh, a deal worked out with, let's say it was Columbia. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Or Atlantic, maybe. I think Atlantic. Who cares? Anywhere you are on Earth and you need to record something, go ahead to the studio and we got you. Because wow. Because he, he's like an uncontrollable writing machine. Wow. Like, right after, I think, the first record came out and Deja Vu, somewhere in there, I think he started working on his own solos. And this is like after the Buffalo Springfield happened. He started working on his own stuff. He, uh, Stephen Stills one, Stephen Stills two, and then like illegal Stills and all these records. Just like constantly, right? He's in the studio with chemical help, obviously. Sure. But endlessly, just like the, they'd have to like switch engineers out in shifts because he's just in there, just like <laughs> fucking, you know, ripping down lines and just not stopping. Wow. <laughs> you know? It's like anyway. So you know the, the just the the amount of creativity um and trust that the record companies uh, would would put in the artist that just I, I don't think that'll ever happen again because everyone's too concerned about losing their job but what yeah. a great time that must have been to be like yeah we got you you're awesome go do your shit you know? right how cool would that have been it's hard to even imagine at this point yeah but man i would love to like you've been on tour so much yeah like you gotta have a million like stories from two i hate to put you on the spot but like uh just like funny moments on stage or 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 on tour with like one of these bands i know you've been in the studio with like some really big acts and uh i don't know if anything comes to mind um yeah you know the that's the funny thing like um anytime that i sit down like i i, I think i told a bunch of stories about uh you know random events like uh that happened because of music, but as far as stuff that happens on stage or like, you know, big goofs or whatever, mostly, mostly pretty smooth. I mean, yeah. there, there, there's fun shit that happens kind of consistently. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I mean, 
let's face it, as as much as I love uh, you know playing in Frankie's band, um, it's uh, it's not really technically that demanding, you know. Right. So like a lot of the stuff, you know, a lot of stuff I do play with one hand, you know, like uh, I've because you go back on some of those early records, like there's no drums on Sherry, there's no drums on Sherry, so instead of me. They they used to be really into this foot stomping thing, you know, that they, I think they kind of maybe started. They'd get out a piece of plywood, put a bunch of mics on it, put on their boots, and if you listen to that track, it's just them clopping along and hand claps and shit, you know? Right. So, I ain't going to do that, you know? <laughs> so, put on I'm, your clogs. I just kick, snare, goon, cat, goon, goon, cat, goon, cat, goon, like, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. You know? The cyclical chord progression as it is. And... <laughs> Uh, there's a there's a gentleman that that uh, assists our buddy Frank, and uh, he's a prankster. We have this ongoing prank thing, you know. So he'll throw shit at me, uh, and and if I can get away with it, I'll throw shit back at him. You know? <laughs> so during uh, the show, during I'm during the show. So I mean, I I try to make it subtle because like I don't want to detract and I want to you know remain professional. Right. But, um, you know, occasionally, uh, if the cameras, uh, if the lights aren't on me, you know, I'll strategically try to, like, hit him in the head with a cough drop or something, you know? Like, so there's just, (laughs) there's fun shit like that that happens uh, every once in a while. But as far as, like, you know, road stories and, you know, there's, there's, you know, not in the last 10 years, obviously, um, but uh, the, the previous... The previous 15 or so, you know, there's been lots of uh, endless partying and uh, conquest stories, but that that shit's, you know, no one wants to hear about how much I drank or how many (laughs) girls or whatever, you know, I mean, that's just assume all of the worst things and, you know, you're halfway there. But, um, you know, the the bottom line is like, I don't, I don't want to like, I never want to like, sabotage the 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 professionality the professionalism i mean you know i say that and then like cut to a a bar in scotland at two o'clock in the morning where i'm where my guys are like what would a scottish rastafarian sound like (laughs) (laughs) we you know we have we have a lot of fun and um that's actually true. We were we were in Scotland one time, and uh, you know, it's, when you're in Scotland, what do you do? You do your Scottish voice, you know. And, uh, right. And much to all the Scots, they're like, "Oh, fucking Americans." <laughs> but it's you know the Scottish accent. There's accents, as as uh, Louis C.K. says, stereotypes are bad, but the voices are funny. <laughs> and it's true, you know. <laughs> Love so it. you know, yeah. um, so we're in Scotland at this at this uh, whiskey bar, and we're you know we're all having a great time, and uh, it was me and Sandro, and uh, I think I think Richie Garcia for sure, uh, a few other guys in the band, a couple of the singers, whatever. So they're like, "What would a Scottish Cuban sound like?" And I I, I do my best impersonation of that. <laughs> what would this? Be? So 
the last thing that they had. They go, what would a Scottish Rastafarian sound like? So I do my best impression of that, which is really challenging. A lot of them are like, man, how would you do that? How would you do like a like a Punjabi Indian accent with Scott? Like shit is difficult to try to conceptualize. Right, so, yeah. So no sooner do they ask me to do a Scottish Rasta than we walk outside onto the street and I shit you not. These two Rastafarian dudes come walking down the street. <laughs> and I went right up to them and I said, you ain't going to believe this, you know. And they were cool. They, you know, it's, it's just, it's all, it's all in good fun. But, like, the timing on that, in, I think we're, we're in Glasgow, you know, so it's a pretty international city. But just the timing of two Rastafarian dudes walking out. <laughs> yeah. It was Perfect. pretty. Yeah. It was pretty funny. That's funny, man. Yeah, brother. Do you, uh... Do you have like any more like goals for your career or oh, yeah. like anything yeah. like that? Or how do you how do you conceptualize that goals and stuff? Well, I mean, my main thing is like I I want to just I want to be able to play music my whole life. That's my goal. You yeah. Know? Um. Uh. With with my friends uh, and and excellent musicians. Um. That's really my goal. You know, not to sound like some that sounds like that sounds like some bullshit. But that's really my goal. Like, I don't, it used to be like, you know, if you'd asked me that when I was in my 20s, I'd be like, I want to play with Sting, you know? Now I'm like, you know, if that ever happened, that'd be great. But it's not like, you know, I'm glad Josh Freese is doing it, you know, good for him. I'm not going to, like, try to, I've never been, like, competitive. Like, I want to grab your gig from you, like, right. you know, maybe to maybe it's my to my detriment. I know a lot of guys that are very successful and they're very competitive and they do that shit. You know, I'm not going to name names, but I know, I know firsthand people have tried to get like the littlest gigs from me. Like I had this steady gig years ago, and someone that's a known drummer that would that uh, it's I thought a friend of mine. You know, wow, sub for me. The whole night was pestering leader. Man, I'd love to do this gig. I'd love to do this gig. Really? And, and it was like a little nothing fucking gig. Yeah. And it's like, really? Like, you want that gig? And then it's like, you're going to get that gig, and you're going to have to sub it out all the time because you're doing fucking great shit all the time. You know <laughs> what I mean? It'd make a lot of sense, you know? At that point, it's just like, that's just the way they are, right? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I think that so. They're, they're like that on every gig because... I think so. I and think so. what a... I don't know. That's yeah. that's not the way that it's, I, it's I, shitty. Yeah, it's just shitty. You know, I mean, there's there's enough there's enough of us that uh, that love music that we'll be we'll be able to play. Even if music is like straight up over, which is never going to happen. But like you know, people, oh, this is dead and that's dead. And, you know, if we, the sensationalism and hyperbole are, are just like yeah, we get it. You know, though, jazz is dead. Shut the fuck up with that. You know, it's you know, please. Like yeah, and most people don't like it, but like it ain't dead by by a damn sight. Yeah, but yeah, I just want to play my whole life. I want to I want to make I want to make a few more recordings that I'm really proud of. You know. I mean, my goals are that vague and basic, you know, and it's not really vague. Like, that's what I want. I want to play music with people that I love and that are excellent musicians. And uh, and I want to make some recordings that I'm proud of, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's really, really that simple. Uh, you know, as far as touring goes, I've done that enough. I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, you know, I don't know how much longer I want to do that. Sure. Um, of course, if Steve Gadd, you know, wants to 
give up the Clapton gig or, you know, actually, didn't he just get canceled? So let me come up oh, with a right, yeah. example of that. If Steve Gadd wants to give up the James Taylor gig, <laughs> you know, that'd be, and yes, you got to hire Andy, who I don't even know. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if something great. Right. But yeah, for Radioheads looking for another bass player. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, I see. I see you're rocking the Radiohead. Yeah, you're right. That's something else I want to just briefly touch on. Like, no, no offense to Phil Selway. He's he's a fine, he's a fine drummer. A lot of people like, like, like. Oh, you like Radiohead? What do you think? And it's like, I love the band. I'm like, it's Phil a unit. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I mean, I love I love the Stones. You know, and I, you know, I. It's, Charlie's gone, and that's that's very sad. But people would always like, I, I, like you like that. She's like, yeah, I do. And I'll I'll play you example after example of him being a fucking stud. Like Slave off a of Tattoo You is like the deepest groove ever, you know. And then yeah, that's one example of a hundred. But another example of someone that I think is fucking great for what she did. That all my friends are like, you're fucking nuts. It's like, dude, Meg White and the White Stripes. Ugh. Right. I love that shit. <laughs> like she has, she has total like you know like drummers like they always practice to try to make every limb do some shit different shit. Like it's called independence. Like ding 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 ding. Hi hat on two and four. Free interplay between the the left hand and the right foot. Whatever. Right. Like Meg White had like total dependence. Like everything was doing the same shit. You know. Right. <laughs> but there was something. There was something funky about her, you know, in a yeah. in a very non traditional way. But well, like Patrick Carney and Black Keys, same yeah. kind of thing where people, are, eh, well, it's technique and stuff, and it's yeah. like, I just love the music, sure. man. Like, and whatever yeah. he was doing to to serve the music 100%. was working for me. Yeah. So I kind of don't care. Yeah. 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 And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is like, uh, not all all stuff needs to sound polished. Sure. It's do not, you do you dig it? Cool. You know? Exactly, there's a movie, you, you know. Yeah, I remember seeing like like Paul Motion or Modian, more correctly, playing at uh, Sweet Basil, and like I like Jedi's, and I like that. Uh, you know, I like Levon Helm, and I like you know, fucking who's a technical stud. Um, you know, Tomas Hockey from Meshuga. <laughs> uh, you know, couldn't be different, but I I like what both guys do and I'm unapologetic about it like Paul Motion sounds like you know not sloppy but it's just loose and and musical and it doesn't make sense but it does at the same time whereas like Tomas and Meshuga is like a fucking steam piston precise machine everything's right. perfect all oh, the fucker needs a viking and you fucking ah you know it's amazing I love both things kind of right. equally you know yeah. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, man, it's it's cool. I mean, you can tell like your passion for music and just like you're like an encyclopedia for just like info on some, <laughs> bands and some artists. Stuff. And don't some ask, stuff. Don't ask me about mumble rappers. Uh, right. Well, you, you, you have your lane, I guess. <laughs> Do you have any like advice for people like getting into, I mean, man, like it's it's easy to say, like you've had so much success you know, and played with a lot of a lot of huge names, and uh, I, I'm assuming a lot of that's recommendation and just just building building a, a career organically. But do you, I mean, do you have any advice for people? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I've I've kind of become friends with a few young guys in town, uh, not super close, but just reached out on social media to a couple of people that that um, 
that are that are starting to make some big waves, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's it's interesting to me because they're so open to immediately communicating with complete strangers, which is great, you know. Yeah. Because when I was a kid growing up, like I remember, like the first time I saw Dennis Chambers, for me it was like. It was like Christmas, you know? Yeah. And, and I was so in awe of, you know, his abilities, of course, but just like his personality and, you know, like, how do I even approach him? It's just like now you've got this tool where you can see pictures of all your favorite dudes or videos of all your favorite dudes or chicks, of course. Sorry, ladies. I didn't mean to, you know. Chicks can be dudes. Totally. And dudes can be chicks and yep. both at the same time. <laughs> or, yeah. Whatever you there. But <laughs> the point that I'm getting at is like, man, these tools that we have now, you can DM anyone. Right. And if they're in control of their own shit or if they have like a, someone that takes care of their socials or whatever, maybe they have some sort of buffer or whatever. Sure. And you could get in touch with anyone. And, and most of the time they'll hit you back. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's something that I, I, I reference a lot. There's uh, a few people in, in my career that I've worked with briefly or just observed that have incredibly successful careers and it's not because they're great musicians. It's because they're nice yeah. and they're diligent. And, you know, you call a club or a booker to try to set something up. We don't have anything now, but call me back in six weeks. They immediately make a reminder in their calendar. And guess what? Six weeks later, they call again. Oh, yeah, call, man, I'm busy. Call me back in a week. You know, we, you know they're yeah. so on that shit and good for them. Right. Maybe I'm not really going to love or and listen to their music ever but like you know if you if you want to 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 you know have success it's there's so many different formulas and you know i i consider myself like you know i've had a I've had a pretty decent career it's not over yet um i enjoy what i'm doing i've supported myself and my family um but there's a few different ways to skin the cat. Like you could be one of the chosen few and have some ungodly abilities and you've got a combination of natural talent and work ethic and you've practiced your ass off and you're like some new phenom. That's one way. That's not going to be most people's way. Right. So unless you're one of those people and you got to be honest with yourself, you know, I'm not one of those people. Um, and that's okay. I, I think it's uh, very impressive if you are, and it's fun to check it out and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's option A. Option B is, you know, the typical way that most people get there is, you know, 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration, all the cliche bullshit. <laughs> right. Put your time in, you know. But, you know, you can put your time in and uh, and and be a dick that no one wants to work with, you yeah. know. And then, so it's, you know, so... Those doors I, can close. I know people like that, too, you know. Uh, there's so many, so many ways. But ultimately, to give yourself the best chance at it, um, I feel like um, personally the way that I went about it was, you know, I had some, I could play just immediately. I wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm shredding on the drums. But, like, I sat down and I could just play a beat the first time I sat behind the drums. Doesn't right. mean I'm anything other than, you know, like I had a little bit of a head start maybe. Sure. Um, but I loved it and I practiced my ass off and I was into all kinds of different music. Uh, I'm 
fairly social, you know, uh, I like, I like to hang out and, you know, whatever. Um, uh, I like to play music. I'm kind of, a, I, you know, it was more of a go-getter. I organize sessions, go hang out, talk to people. It's all of, all of the things, you know, study with people. Don't be like, uh, oh, you read music? Oh, you went to music school? Like, that's a bad thing. Like, oh, I'm self-taught. It's like, really? Did your friend ever show you a lick? Did your friend ever show you what a paradiddle is? Then you're not self-taught, motherfucker. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like all like, oh, this guy's great. He's self-taught. It's like, ugh, shut up. I mean, I, you know, maybe I say that because I'm overeducated. You know, I got a master's degree, and and if I could, you know, I'm not I'm not ever gonna go back and get my doctorate. I like learning. Sorry, I know it's not cool or whatever, but like, <laughs> I like being able to read music. I like I like to be able to sit down uh, with a chart and interpret it fairly successfully immediately. I mean, like, yeah, you're you're just setting yourself up. For, to win if you can do as many things as possible. Like if you go to a rehearsal and you're new in town, you go to the union and you sit down and they put a chart in front of you and it says, you know, uh, it's a bossa nova and there's a few kicks in it, uh, you know, and you're you're playing a big band rehearsal, which is, you know, I mean, that's a fairly um, specific example of something that's unlikely for the most part. But if you've studied and you do that and then the leader of the band goes, oh, this kid's 24 and he can interpret a chart well and it's musical and he's got a good sound, good time. He can obviously read. You know, they're going to file that. And when the first yeah. 50 guys aren't available, they, maybe they'll remember you. And if you're in town and you start gigging and do some stuff, you know, more and more, you know. I used to teach, uh, I've taught at uh, a bunch of colleges. I taught at New York University and I used to teach at Mount San Antonio College out in... Um, Walnut. And some of these kids would come in and they'd be like, yeah, I want to be a studio musician. I go, oh, yeah? Okay. Uh, play me a reggae beat. Uh, I don't really know how to do that. Okay, go, that's fine. Uh, play me a, play me a, play me a bossa nova. I don't really know how to do that. Okay, um, let's uh, let's read some stuff. I don't really know how to read. I go, and you want to be a studio musician? And like the, the, you know, the, the realist in me wants to be like, you're gonna die. Like you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> die because you're not gonna be able to eat. Right. You, you know, like set your goals more realistically. You know. Uh, like, yeah. I want to be an Instagram super drummer. It's like, well, can you fucking shred harder than most people? Period. Right. Good luck. You know, because like you know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna really fall in love with any like one that wants to be insta famous that doesn't have some kind of shock value right. or just something that's like in your face and you know fairly obnoxious i mean it's, I, i'm not like some grumpy old dude that doesn't have chops but like you know let's face it like you want to impress the kids on the, on the gram you, you, you just got to sound good look pretty good and you've got to be like f fucking dealing you know yeah um it's not a lot of guys are like oh he's got an instagram channel and it's like he's got a shit it sounds like shit and he's playing like some some groove and it's like yeah that's and then you go to the next guy that like has you know like purple hair that can play like 128th notes in uh, 1916 over a vamp that's complicated that guy's gonna you know you look at his likes and he's gonna win that con competition yeah so it's a whole new world but yeah ultimately uh, to answer your question the advice would be to just set yourself up for success as best you can with as many tools that you can i think it's important obviously for drum specific the most important thing is feel
you don't got that, you don't got shit. Yeah. Have have a good feel, have a good sound, take care of your body, take care of your instrument, um, know how to read, that can only help. Know how to play as many different styles as you can. Unless you're a genius, then you can do whatever the hell you want. But, you know, you know, that's it. Make sure all your food groups are well represented. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And there was uh kind of laced within all that was kinda like this like be realistic too. Yeah. Like realism, like you know, know know what you're good at, know what you're not good at, and yeah. control what you can control. It's kind of some of the the things I gathered from, from Abs- that. And, absolutely. And that's that's yeah, I would I would say the same. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time, man. This was awesome. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I hope we hope we can do a part two someday. And me too. Uh, look forward to the next gig with you, man. Likewise, brother. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks man. Now. All right. See ya. Later.